All right, y'all ready for the message? Yes. All right, for the three of you that said yes. Uh, here we go. So for the three of you that said yes, I've got a question. Have you ever, okay, so a couple questions here, to, just to get us started, just to kind of lay the groundwork. This is going to be far more topical uh, than you're used to, okay? Two weeks from today, everybody say two weeks. Two weeks. That was a little better. Two weeks from today, we're going to start Ezra and Nehemiah, okay, that we were going to do uh, that we were going to start back in July. Um, but two weeks from today, we're going to start Ezra and Nehemiah. Today is going to be far more topical uh, than we're used to. Okay, I've got four verses, essentially, that we're going to be looking at. It's going to be far more topical. It's kind of a standalone thing. Uh, as Ian mentioned, we're launching small groups, and I want to talk today about community. I want to talk today about the importance of community, why community is important. So it's going to be far more topical than, than you're used to. So if, this is, if you're new or recent with us and you're kind of checking things out and you're kind of kicking the tires of church and you're looking for, you know, expository verse by verse preaching, that's typically where we are. Um, but I've done three camps in the last four weeks. Today's very topical, okay? <laughs> and so my question for you is this. Have you ever gotten to a fight and I'm not necessarily talking about this fight, okay? And I'm not necessarily talking about your next door neighbor, okay? Although that would be a fun story that I would love to hear at a later time, maybe at the corn roast this afternoon, okay? But have you ever gotten into a fight with your neighbor? Have you ever gotten into a... Okay, okay you don't have to raise your hand. But thank you for your vulnerability and honesty, Mike, okay? Uh, have, you, have you ever gotten into an argument with somebody? Have you ever gotten into a fight with a neighbor? We heard, uh, we heard last Sunday about Camp Russ, Right? No, I'm just kidding. I had, I had to, man. I had to. Love you. Mean it. Okay. Um, have you ever just felt alone? Maybe even in a room full of people. Have you ever just felt like nobody really cared about you? Like you were there and you were walking through the motions, but nobody really ever cared about you. And sometimes, sometimes, and let's be honest about this, okay, because this is real, okay, for most of us in the, in the room, sometimes it's just easier to become a loner or to not try to develop relationships with others. Amen? Sometimes, sometimes we kind of fall into that where, you know what, this, this people thing stinks. It's hard. And I am tired of getting my heart broken. I'm tired of being used. I'm tired of people just, you know, using me up while it's useful for them. And then when they have no more use of me, they just kind of, right? Right? That's getting old. Anybody? Okay, you'll get a little more honest here in a minute. That's all right, though. Okay, but there's a problem with that idea. Okay, people living in isolation. Okay, some things happen with people living in isolation. They lose perspective on life. Okay? When you, when you live in isolation, you forget, right, that life is not just a movie about you, that there's other people that actually exist and that are important, right? We develop a fear of intimacy when we live in isolation. We become selfish. We have poor health, physical health, when we live in isolation. Why is this? And remember this. Because God did not make us to live life alone. When God created you, 
in your mother's womb, right? We know that when God created you, when He formed you, all, all of those things, He did not create you. He did not form you to live life alone. He created us for a relationship. Now I've got a quote that's going to pop on the screen, and it's a quote by a guy by the name of Randy Frazzi. And if you don't want to write his name down, you can just give me the credit. That's fine. But the quote is this, the development of meaningful relationships where every member carries a significant sense of belonging, underline significant, star that, a significant sense of belonging, underline that word too, is central to what it means to be the church. This sense of significant belonging is central to what it means to be the church. This is a God-ordained gathering of people that is so strong that even the gates of hell cannot overcome it. Now let me ask you something, and, I, and please don't respond, because I want to have a good rest of the day. Do we reflect this, time of, this type of community? Are we a church that reflects this kind of community? Now, I was listening to some things over the last few weeks. Let me just put it that way. And, and, and let, me tell you what, let me tell you what we're laughing about as the church right now. Let me, tell you, let me tell you one of the things I've heard us laugh about as the body of Christ, as I've been around a very much scattered body, body of Christ over the last few weeks. One of the things that I've heard over the last few weeks that was comical to people is how easy it's become to not be a part of the body. How easy it's become to wear PJs and do laundry during this hour of church because, pastor, you look so much better on YouTube. <laughs> and, and when I'm watching you on my TV screen, and listen, I know we've got people watching on YouTube right now. When I looked before I came into the service, the count was 13. We probably just lost seven of them. For, so for the six of you, I, I know, I know, I know. I know this is a useful resource, and that's why we're still doing it, and that's why we're still offering it. I know we've got a dad right now at a cheer jamboree over at Fitzpatrick Stadium in Portland that is listening to church and watching his daughter cheer. I know this is useful for people. Bless his heart. But as a pastor, and let's go even deeper than that, as a church goer, as a believer in Christ who reads his Bible, what I see and hear is that what we're doing today, gathering, what those sign-up sheets out there are doing in trying to put you together in, in living rooms and in small groups, is part of the design for you in being a believer. Not comically taking it for granted. Not comically taking it for granted. And so again, throw the quote back up there one more time. The development of meaningful relationships, meaningful relationships where every member, look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Every member, means every member, carries a significant sense of belonging is central to what it means to be the church. This is a God-ordained gathering of people that is so strong that even the gates of hell will not overcome it. Community is a powerful thing. Community is a powerful thing. You want an example? 
buy a ticket for a Red Sox-Yankees game and go wearing a Yankees jersey. You will have a terrible night. Even if you're not a fan, you'll have a terrible night. Ter- you know, I mean, community is a <coughs> powerful thing. And being unified means having the ability to dream big and succeed together for God's kingdom. But what happens when community hurts? See, developing community is hard, isn't it? Go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to get there in just a second. Developing community is hard. It involves risk. It involves putting yourself out there. It involves allowing yourself to be vulnerable to others like Mike just was when he confessed getting into a fight with his neighbor that I can't wait to hear about at the corn roast. Right? There's an old saying. You may have used it recently. I know I have. Forgive and forget. Right? But there's another old saying that I like to follow that one up with, easier said than done. Why? Because all of us are naturally selfish and prideful. Now, don't say amen and look at your neighbor. Okay? All of us are naturally selfish and prideful. This is who we are. It doesn't make it right. It means we have to learn to overcome it. And the sad truth is that people are going to hurt us and we're going to hurt people. Unintentionally. The sad truth is that people are going to hurt us and we are going to hurt people. Reality is, someone is going to accidentally or on purpose hurt your feelings. It's good news, isn't it? Glad you came to church this morning. Okay? It starts when we're young. Kids making fun of kids. Right? You know, all all those different things. Teenagers, adults form prejudgments of people. Can you believe what they're doing? Can you believe? Well, I heard that he, I can't believe that they would come to church, you know, dressed like that. Or, you know, how can they live like that? Have you seen their vehicle? Oh, let me tell you what they did five years ago. On and on and on. And so today's big idea is this. Developing loving relationships or or developing loving community and we're not going to cover all of this okay in the next two hours but we're going to do our best do it all right here we go all right so as we learn to become more like christ more like jesus we can change the world for his purpose and be the community he's created us to be galatians 5 look at verses 22 through 24 But the fruit of the Spirit, this is Paul writing to the church of Galatia. We just studied this book in its entirety, okay? But I want us to launch from here, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, now, let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you what Paul is doing here, okay? He's just, he's just talked about the flesh, okay? But now he's saying, but the fruit of the Spirit is contrary to the flesh, and it reflects love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Of these things, right, of these things, are these the things that you reflect in your life? Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you were to grade yourself, how are you doing? Right? As far as these things being the things that you reflect in your life. And then look at verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You know what Paul is saying there in verse 24? That those who belong to Christ have awakened to the realization that life is not about them. Have awakened to the realization that life is not about their comforts. Have awakened to the realization that there are other people than them living in the world. They have crucified their desires, their flesh, and its passions with the cross. That's what he's talking about. And so one of the the most pivotal points of maturity that we have to get to as the church of Jesus Christ, if we are going to reflect Christ to the world that needs to know Him, is this. Life ain't about us. You can drop the ain't and say isn't if that just really tweaks you in a way. Okay? Life is not about us. So that begs the question. Who's it about? Jesus. Jesus. We exist. And we talk about, we talk about this from time to time. And so if you've been around Summit for, for any, any length of time, this is going to serve as a reminder for you. We exist in all things. Everybody say all things. We exist in all things to glorify God, not make you happy. We exist in all things to glorify God, not please you. We exist in all things to glorify God, to spend and be spent for the sake of, his, of the souls that need to know Jesus. That's why we exist. We exist to glorify God. So, the question is, how do we develop these loving relationships so that we can have community? I'm glad you asked. Number one, to develop loving relationships, we must apply patience. Who's ready to go home? Okay, thank you for your honesty. Man, there's a few honest people in the room this morning. That's good. 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16 says this, the trustworthy, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Paul's talking to Timothy. The, trust, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, full buy-in to the saying. What saying is it? I'm glad you asked. That Jesus, that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom, Paul says, I am the foremost. Paul admitting his his brokenness here, vulnerable, opening up to his sin, that he is the greatest of sinners, the foremost of sinners. Verse 16, but that's not how my story ended. Aren't you glad that's not how your story ends? Woohoo! But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that God did not give up on me as fast as some of the people in my life have given up on me. To develop loving relationships, 
We must apply patience. Why? Because some people are harder to love than others. Amen? I mean, I mean, I mean, let me, let me, can, can, can I be honest with you for just a second? Okay, thank you. Um, I, I was I was retreat pastor this past week for for Johnny and friends. So I was talking to 19, 17 families affected by disability, and uh, and I, I was I was doing a message on um, uh, Genesis 18, where Sarah laughs at God, saying, you know. My husband's 99 years old and you're saying within the year we're going to have a baby and Sarah's inside the tent and just bursts out and laughing. And God's like, why are you laughing? And then Sarah tries to deny that she was laughing. Right? And I was talking about how this whole, this whole message, this whole story of God pursuing Abraham and Sarah in the tent, right? It is a story of God's pursuit of the heart. Okay? That God's pursuing your heart. And I talked about how how do we respond when people try to pursue our heart? Now, here's, here's what you may not know. Now, I can talk about them because I is one, okay? I have a brother affected by disability, and so I was born into a family affected by disability. Let me tell you something about families affected by disability. We're hard to love. We're hard to love. We're hard to love. A couple reasons why. Um, we'll, we'll try to make an appointment with you. Okay, and this is true with four kids. I mean, it might as well be the same thing. Family affected by disability, family of four kids. Might as well be the same thing. Okay? All right. Or three. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, tr- we'll make an appointment with you. We'll, we'll really try it. Like, our heart is to make that appointment. We want to be there. Um, but if catheter bursts, if feeding tube clogs, if person in wheelchair gets a fever all of a sudden, guess what's happening? Canceling appointment. So then you have a decision to make. Now, now, agreed, agreed, because, because I've, I've, I'm convicted of this and I, 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 I poke and prod at families affected by disability all the time, again, because I is one, okay? Sometimes we use that as cop-out. I can't come. You know, Andy's got a 98.5 fever and I just know it's rising. I just know it's rising. Which is code for, you're just not that important to me. Okay, but, right? Because, or, or I got a better offer. Right? That's why many of us change plans these days. Okay? Um, and, and so, but you have a decision to make when that plan is canceled. Do I apply patience and love them and believe the best that they're not just doing this over and over and over again and disappointing me and not showing up and not holding to appointments and not letting, do, do I believe positive intent or do I cut them off? Right? Do I cut them off? Do I cut them off? And so, and so as, I was, as I was sharing on, 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 on Wednesday with these families, I, I said, look, we're hard to love, aren't we? And it was amazing. It was amazing to hear all of these families then respond because I gave an opportunity to respond. I wasn't planning on it. We had like 20 visitors in the room. It was super awkward. I love it when God moves and people don't know what to do. It's just awesome, right? 
But many of them shared in response about the betrayal that they've experienced from church after church after church after church after group after group after group after group after, group after support after support after support after support of where they weren't patient with their brokenness. Now, how do we do that in the body of Christ? Let me tell you. We expect if someone gets saved, someone gets baptized, someone comes home from camp, and, they, and, and they've had an amazing experience, and they've been baptized and all of that, we expect their entire being, the words that they say, the music that they listen to, all of those things, the movies they watch, all of their desires, to automatically shift on a dime. Where else does that happen? Right? Someone who learns to read. They enter a process of learning to read. Yet in the church, we don't like processes. We want you to be different. We want you to be exactly how you're supposed to be, according to Scripture, lining up with Scripture, immediately once you give your life to Jesus. Now listen. I am convinced of this. That the communities right now that are thriving in our world today are ones that accept people as they are and are patient with growth. We have to accept people where they are. It doesn't mean they, we have to validate what they're doing. Big difference. I can hug you and not agree with your likes. We can go to coffee and spend a lot of time talking about a lot of things that we agree on and still disagree on some stuff. It's okay. But if we are going to be the community that reflects the love of Jesus Christ, we've got to accept people in their brokenness and trust that God is still working on them in the same way as, guess what? He's still working on you. So we've got a decision to make. Do we apply patience? Or do we cut them off? See, patience is the ability. You ready for this? Write this. Ooh, this is good. This is good if I do say so myself. <sighs> patience is the ability to take a great deal of punishment without losing our temper, without becoming irritated or angry, or without taking retribution. Patience is the ability to take a great deal of punishment without losing our temper, without becoming irritated or angry, or without taking retribution. This includes the capacity to bear pain or trials without complaint. The ability to refrain under severe provoking. In short, patience takes self-control. Don't make snap judgments. Don't have a short fuse. Get all the facts before coming to conclusions. Take a chill pill before you drive in Massachusetts. All of those things. <laughs> all of those things. Amen? Number two. To develop loving relationships, we must apply kindness. Now, kindness is the state of being that includes the attributes of loving affection, right? Sympathy, friendliness, patience, pleasantness, gentleness, goodness, all of those, all of those attributions, all those attributes, excuse me. Kindness is a quality shown in the way a person speaks 
or acts. Have you ever just walked up to somebody and like, wow, they're just super kind? Right? They're kind. They're kind. Um, it is more like a decision to be kind than an emotional feeling or act. Proverbs 25, 21, 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Why? Um... Jonah. We, we studied Jonah at Camp 207. And, and when, I, when I read the book of Jonah, I'm, I marvel at how kind God is to Jonah. Because all Jonah wants to do throughout the book is die. Seriously. I mean, you, re, you read it. Jonah chapter 1, Jonah's being disobedient to God. He's going in the opposite direction. He tells the other guys on the boat, just throw me over. I, I, just, just throw me over. Leave me for dead. I'm done. I'm done with this. And, and so finally they do. And, and, and um, what happens? The great fish, the big fish. We don't know if it's a whale. Probably a whale. Probably a whale. But let's not jump to conclusions, okay? The big fish comes and swallows Jonah whole. And then Jonah spends all of chapter 2 praying a beautiful prayer of repentance. He spends three days in the belly of the fish. The smell had to be amazing. And, and, um, and, and, then, and then, you know, at the end of that, he spits Jonah out on dry land. God meets Jonah again on the shore, recommissions him to go into Nineveh and preach the gospel. Jonah goes into Nineveh, preaches the gospel. People turn. The king is like, yes, we're going to do all of these things. Maybe, just maybe God will change his mind. And then Jonah chapter 4 ought to be this celebration. Right? Where Jonah's sitting under a tree, hanging with God. God, look at what you did. Thank you for using me for this task. But we don't see that. What happens in Jonah chapter 4? Jonah gets what? Angry. Jonah's mad. Right? Jonah's angry. And, and so God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Now, Let's fast forward to 2022. Okay, something happens. All right, something's not fitting. You're trying to pull. The, you're trying to move the refrigerator into the house, and the refrigerator doesn't fit through the door. So you've got to go through the process of taking the refrigerator doors off, the house door off, all of this process. And you thought this was going to be a five or ten minute ordeal. First of all, let me ask you the question: Is it ever just a five or ten minute ordeal? Okay. So we've got to prepare better on the front end. To receive kindness, all right? But second, okay, so you're, you're bringing it in and you're just frustrated. People are trying to help you and you're, you're snapping back. You're barking orders. You're doing all of these things, right? Let me ask you a question. What happens when your wife or son or daughter comes to you and says, Daddy, do you do well to be angry? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I do very well to be angry in this moment. Things are not fitting where they're supposed to fit. Things are working. I measured three or four times. I do very well to be angry right now. And the best thing for you to do would be to call somebody and go to their house. Invite yourself somewhere. <laughs> right now. For your safety and mine. Because I do very well to be angry. Very well. 
to be angry. A lot of times, in our brokenness, right? This is the proverb, okay? This is the proverb. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. Well, what are you doing? You're being kind to the angry. How do they respond? The writer of Proverbs, you're reaping hot coals over their head. So the next time you lash out, about the refrigerator not fitting through the door. Just think about those hot coals. And they ask you, do you do well to be angry? Right? Why? Because you're just showing kindness. And what you're doing is awakening them to their brokenness. Kindness. That if we're going to build loving relationships, we've got to be patient and we've got to be kind. Lastly, lastly, to develop loving relationships, we must apply gentleness. Being sensitive to others. You have that person in your life that's just sensitive. Just sensitive. I mean, you, you, go, you go to some folks and, and they just tell you to deal with it. And then you go to Lois and you tell her all your struggles and she's just so sensitive. You know, be sensitive to others, applying gentleness. Colossians 3, 12 through 15 says this, put on then, I love what Paul does here with the church at Colossae, put on then, get dressed in, is what that literally means. Okay, get dressed in as God's chosen ones. Again, as the church, as the body of Christ, as God's chosen ones, we are his ambassadors, holy and beloved. Okay, put on then compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience. We've just seen all of our three points right there. Verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love. Get this, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called in one body. And be thankful. See, none of us, none of us, none of us deserve the forgiveness that God gives us each day. None of us. None of us deserves the forgiveness that God gives us each day, but over and over, He forgives us. Over and over, He forgives us. I've got one more quote for you. This one is anonymous, so just put Travis right next to it. It's okay. That was funny. You know how intimidating it is to take a drink in front of all you people? It's like, man, if I get this wrong... So I typically don't. Okay, quote, forgiveness is me giving up the right to hurt you for hurting me. Forgiveness is me giving up the right to hurt you for hurting me. You ever heard the quote, hurt people hurt people? That shouldn't be a quote that we just 
are able to flippantly throw around within the body of Christ. We should give forgiveness that's undeserved all the time. Why? Because that's what we are receiving all the time. This doesn't mean we become some kind of doormat, which happens. It means we're honest, but gentle. Stern, but kind. And for some of us, that may mean in moments of frustration, in moments of brokenness, we need to take a minute before we go back around people. Amen? Most conflict can be resolved with honest but gentle communication. Now, here's, here's something that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Not in this setting, but in a different setting. And I, and I love it. Because I've had, I've had some people come to me and confront me on things that I've said or done that I would have never imagined hurting people. I may have said something in the last 30 minutes that offended you. Didn't mean to. Didn't mean to. But I had, I had somebody come up to me a couple weeks ago and say, what would things look like if we just believed in each other positive intent? That we, just, that we just trusted that I wasn't out to get you. That I wasn't out to rip you apart. That I wasn't out to tear you down. But because I love you, right? Because I love you, I want to gently bring something to your attention. You're a jerk. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just making sure you're still listening, right? But I want to lovingly and gently bring something before you. And we believe positive intent. Now, could they have completely misunderstood something? Possibly. Could they have been overly sensitive? Potentially. Could you have been in the wrong? Yeah. Yeah. It's possible that not everything you do is right all the time. Let me tiptoe back to my notes real quick. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Patience, kindness, and gentleness help to bring unity and community. And it helps develop loving relationships that last. I don't think... I don't think it should be easier to find, to find friends outside of the body of Christ. One of the things that breaks my heart the most is I, this, this saying, I like you so much. We're such close friends. And so I'm not going to come to your church. Like it's my church anyway. Because I don't want that to get ruined. 
Let me ask you something. When you're fighting hell, anybody feel like they've been doing that lately? Who do you want with you? I can tell you right now, I don't want a bunch of people that are superficially giving me compliments and just showing up on Sundays to listen to what, in their minds, I have to say. Like it's what I have to say. I want... I haven't figured out if this is dangerous or not yet. I want to be your friend. And I want you to be mine. Not the superficial that we tell each other what we want to hear and never stretch each other. Just, just um, what is it when you, um, when you let somebody keep doing something toxic in their life? And I don't want to enable you. Thank you. I don't, I don't want to enable you to keep living the way you've been living. But I, I don't want the same. Like I, I, when, 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 when we see in Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, and to the prayers. The Lord added to their number daily. They shared everything that they had in common. Right? All, 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 all these things. They helped each other out. Right? They were a church without walls. All of these different things. You know what I see in that? Friendship. Love. Something that most of us are pretty scared of right now. So here's the thing. Let me close with this. Can we see me on the camera or am I completely out of it? Uh, you're, I'm good? Okay, great. I like this. Anybody in here ever broken your finger? Okay, when you break your finger, especially when you break it real good. Have you broken your finger? Come here, Justin. Come here. Come here. <coughs> you got to be faster than that, bro. Um, all right, so when you break your finger, you have a decision to make. Right? You have a decision to make. Most of the time. Most of the time. Sometimes you don't have a decision to make. Come right here. You want to sit? sit? Sit right next to me. Okay? You break your finger, you have a decision to make. No, sit closer. Okay? It's okay. All right? We don't have to socially distance anymore. Okay? You're good. All right? Um, when you break your finger, you have a decision to make. You know what that decision is? Whether to fix it or not. Whether to fix it or not. How do you fix a broken finger? You tape it. Right? You, well, yeah. Some of you are like, you yank it. It's painful. Um, but but you, have, you have a choice whether to cast it. And when you cast a finger, basically you're buddy taping it to the finger next to you. I saw, some, I saw, I saw somebody that has, has this in, in the room this morning. Yeah, right there. Right? <laughs> yeah, make sure you lift all the fingers. Okay? <laughs> make sure you... That could get really awkward really fast. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to imitate that. Okay. Um, right. But you have, you, have, you have an option to buddy tape it, right? Or to what? Leave it alone. Right? And so you can strain it and then leave it alone. But what happens if you leave it alone? 
Probably going to end up a little crooked. Probably going to end up a little crooked, right? It's probably never going to straighten again. Now, what would you do with yours? Let's see. It. Which, which finger did you break? Uh, probably a couple of them. I can't remember now. It was back when I played football. But you can, yeah, but you can straighten yeah. most of them all yeah. the way? Yeah. yeah. Anybody have one that's still bent a little bit that you can't straighten all the way? Everybody's scared because they think I'm going to call them up here like I did you, right? Okay, all right, but, 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 but you have a decision to make, right? You can, you can tape it, right, and have, a, have the potential that it's going to be joined, that it's going to straighten again, or look like this, to where you can only get it this, this far. You can't straighten it again and not buddy tape it, right? Puts you on the spot. Is that okay? Yeah. You're up here already. Um, what is the one thing God created and said wasn't good? Sin. Sin? What's, to be alone. Man was alone. Adam was alone, right? It's okay, we put you on the spot. And sin, hey, sin and Jesus. <laughs> Never go wrong with those two answers in church, okay? All right? So God created Adam, saw that Adam was alone, said it wasn't good, Okay? In the same way, right? So what God wants to do in us, right, is tape us to other people. Because when we try to just leave it to fix itself, it stays bent. Now, many of our hearts, many of our hearts look like this. When God wants you to look like this. Because you have tried to heal in isolation. And so my question for you is this. Is your spiritual breakthrough with Christ on the other side of your ability to trust again? In God's seat. If you want to. You can stay here if you want to. Don't bother me. I just want to let you off the hook. Is your spiritual breakthrough on the other side of your ability to trust again? Because in order to have patience, in order to be kind, in order to be gentle, right? There's trust that's involved in all of that. You're putting yourself out there, right? You're putting yourself out there. And, 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 and if you've been betrayed, if you've been hurt, then there's less of you to put out there. If there's unhealed hurt, if there's unhealed betrayal, then there's less of you to put out there. And you're walking into a relationship bent. Crooked. Potentially only able to give a portion of yourself. To whereas before, you were giving much more of you in those relationships. And my fear for us is that so many of us are walking around hearts crooked because we haven't healed and we haven't allowed God to replace the hurt that we're walking around trying to heal in isolation because your heart got broke. And you survived it, but your trust didn't. See, as I've, been, as I've been traveling around, come on worship team, and speaking to these different camps and 
doing, doing all these things, the word that has been on my heart so much is trust. Trust. Because, because I, I feel that way sometimes, right? That my heart got broke and I'm still standing, but my trust isn't. And here's the problem with that statement. What is my trust in? Because if my trust is in you, even for relationships, then we're going to struggle. But if my trust is in Him, then it doesn't matter how you abuse my patience. It doesn't matter how you take advantage of my kindness. It doesn't matter what your response is in my gentleness. Because I'm not finding my value in you. I'm finding my value in who God said I am. And so many of us go wrong with relationships right from the bat. That we think this relationship is going to be everything. No relationship can stand under the weight of your worship like that. See, we've got to put our trust in the God that heals brokenness, that mends broken hearts. And so my question for you this morning is very simple. Where's your trust? Because if you're putting your trust in the hope of Christ, and I'm putting my trust in the hope of Christ, and when we gather on Sunday mornings, guess what? Where's our focus going to be? The hope of Christ. The hope of Jesus. And the, and the fruit of that is going to be that we're going to be patient with each other. We're going to be kind to one another. We're going to be gentle with one another. If we center our hope on the hope of Christ. So my challenge for you today is very simply this. Do whatever it takes to put your hope and your trust centrally and only in Jesus. That is how your relationships thrive. That is how your relationships survive. Simply and only Jesus. You can fake it for a while. There are plenty of people doing that. Plenty of people doing that. Plenty of people doing that. But if you want true, long-lasting, loving relationships, they've got to be centered on Christ. That's why we've developed our small groups the way we've developed our small groups. If you sign up on one of those white sign-up sheets out there as you're leaving today, and you sign up for a small group, let me tell you something, let me make you a promise. You will be pointed to Jesus. You will be pointed to Jesus through David Platt, through a sermon-based thing, through whatever else that your small group leader decides to do. You will be pointed to Jesus in a room full of people that are desiring the same thing you are, even if they act differently about it. Will you do whatever it takes to love people? Because if you'll do that, and I'll do that, whew, who knows what God will do with this place? 
So Father, my prayer is this. That you help us trust in you again. Forgive us in the room that have misplaced our trust in people instead of you and have wondered and wandered as a result. God, no one, nothing can replace your love. And so I pray that you would fill our hearts this morning to love again. That you would fill our hearts this morning to trust again. That you would fill our hearts this morning to walk in relationship again. Even, even, even if it doesn't make sense. God, many of the things you ask us to do, many of the things you ask people in Scripture to do, don't make sense. But you have a plan and a purpose. And so I pray that we would not try to sense our way out of relationships. But that we would trust that you're placing the people in front of us that we need for the season that we're in to accomplish the work that you have for us. God, help us to be friends again. Help us to recognize the need for this gathering again and to prioritize it. Help us to keep you at the center of all of it. In Jesus' name I pray.